Today's scripture reading is from Isaiah 40, 27 to 31. You can follow along behind me on the screen in your Bible app or the hard copy Bible in front of you in your pews starting on page 600. So Isaiah 40, 27 to 31. Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel? My way is hidden from the Lord, and my right is disregarded by my God. Have you not known? Have you not heard? The Lord is the everlasting God, the creator of the ends of the earth. He does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. He gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Even youth shall faint and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. May God bless the reading of his word. I'd like to now invite Pastor Jeff, who will share today's message titled, Waiting for the Weary. When was the last time you were in a waiting room? I'm guessing most of us, if not all of us, have, have been in one before. What were you waiting for? And waiting rooms are filled with all different sorts of emotions. Maybe it was waiting with fear and dread for some test results. Maybe it was waiting with anticipation at the arrival of a newborn baby. Or maybe it was just waiting with a sense of impatience and boredom for your car to get fixed. Waiting is a part of life. All of us have waited at one point or another. Maybe we're waiting right now. Maybe we're waiting for the service to end. You know, we wait for our SAT scores or our college acceptance letters to come in. We wait for people to join in on the Zoom call for work meetings or church meetings. We wait for some person to deliver on their end so that the task can get unblocked and the project can move forward. We wait for responses to texts and emails hoping that they didn't leave us unread. Waiting is a part of life. Waiting is also part of the Christian life. It is very much a part of who we are, what we do as Christians. We look to scripture and we, we see Israel who waited 400 years to be delivered out of slavery in Egypt. To make their way into the promised land. They waited thousands of years for the coming of the Messiah who we know to be Jesus. And now we, today, we also wait. We wait for Jesus' return. Now this is what Advent is about as we enter into this season. And that's what the word Advent means. It means coming. It's about the celebration of the coming of Christ, the joyful anticipation, the hopeful expectation, and the waiting that came with Jesus coming uh, into the world. And it's that same joyful anticipation, hopeful expectation, and waiting that we experience, that we bring to mind, that we adopt, that we embody particularly during this season of Advent as we look not just back to Christ coming into the world to die on the cross, but also as we look forward to the fulfillment of God's promises and to 
the return of Jesus and the, uh, the ushering in of God's kingdom. And so in one sense, if we were to think about it, our entire lives is one big waiting room. We, then we kind of ask, well, what are we waiting for? And some of us might just be saying, well, we're just waiting to die. We're just kind of move on through life, year in and year out. But I believe that those of us who believe in Jesus have a hope in him. That we are waiting for the fulfillment, the accomplishment of those promises that God gives us. And the hope that we sing about, that we have in Jesus. And so we ask, well, in this waiting room of life, how ought we to wait? What, how does the waiting shape us, transform us, inform us, and inform our decisions? And who and what are we actually waiting for? This is what this admin sermon series, The Waiting Room, is all about. Right? No matter how much we try to, to make things faster and, and more efficient with things like Prime now, like how many of you like ordered something on Amazon Prime in the past few days because of Black Friday or holiday shopping, right? We, we got it. Maybe it's waiting for you at home right now, right? It gets here in two days or Prime now or Prime like in two hours, right? Same day shipping. Like we want things fast. We want things soon. We don't want to wait. But yet, we still wait. And so waiting is part of life. And again, it is part of the Christian life. And Advent reminds us that God is still at work even in the midst of waiting. Even now, as we have seen, we believe that Jesus has come. We believe that he will come again. We're in between those two points and we are waiting for God's plan to continue to be fulfilled. Waiting. Now our passage is from the book of Isaiah this morning. Chapter 40, and we're jumping into the book right at a time where Isaiah is speaking to future Israel. And so this Israel has just been released from Babylonian captivity, right? This is a nation that was, was crushed, that was judged, that was uh, sent into exile by the nation of Babylon. And you can see that Isaiah's message, this book is all about two things, judgment and hope. And so because of Israel's rebellion against God, Isaiah prophesied that through nations like Assyria and Babylon, that Israel's kingdom would be crushed, would be disciplined, would be judged as an act of God's judgment. And this is what we see just near the end of chapter 39. Isaiah is speaking about the Babylonian exile, and he says to King Hezekiah, Hear the word of the Lord of hosts. Behold, the days are coming when all that is in your house and that which your fathers have stored up till this day shall be carried to Babylon. Nothing shall be left, says the Lord. And so that's the judgment that we see. But Isaiah's message was also one of hope. Hope, particularly that we even celebrate today. As we look forward to the day that, that, that there would be a new Jerusalem that Isaiah speaks of. Where God's kingdom would be restored through this future messianic king who we know and believe to be Jesus. Where there would be justice and peace for all the nations. And so Isaiah 40 begins this longer section of this message of hope. Hope that we can cling on to. Hope that grounds us. It's an announcement to them, to the people of Israel, that the exile is over. 
that their sin has been dealt with, that God's judgment has been delivered, and now it's time to return home, to come home. And the hope is that these people of Israel who have experienced God's grace, his mercy, would return to the land that God has given them and promised them and now truly fulfill the call that is upon them as a people to become the servant that they were meant to be. Right? This is what Moses said to Pharaoh, let my people go so that they might serve me. And what this means is that the people of Israel, God's people, would be a servant that would be a light to the nations. And share with the nations how great and good God is and who God is. And, but this is not actually what we find out in chapter 40 in today's passage. You know, Israel instead has turned to complaining. They're coming out of captivity. They're coming out of uh, exile, returning to a home, to a land that they don't quite recognize. And they've been in uh, judgment for a number of years. And now they begin to question God's character. His intention, they question his ability to carry out his plan of salvation for all the nations. And so through these many years of waiting, they come out tired, weary. And the waiting was doing something to them, and it wasn't doing something good. And so this is where we end up now in in Isaiah 40. 27 to 31, Isaiah is speaking to this Israel who has returned from exile. They're putting God on trial. And so God begins to address some of these complaints, some of these questions. And in these first two verses, this is what God says through Isaiah. God wants to and is able to deliver his people. Right? Again, apparently the, the Babylonian exile, this long period of captivity, had caused Israel to lose faith in their God. And so rather than coming out of the exile, wanting to fulfill their call as God's servant to share the message of who God is with the other nations, they instead start thinking, well, maybe God isn't that powerful. Maybe Maybe these other gods are better. Clearly, they had forgotten why they were there in the first place, why they were held captive in the first place. You know, it wasn't ultimately because Assyria and Babylon were these two powerful nations, and they just came and destroyed this tiny nation of Israel, destroyed the northern kingdom and destroyed the southern kingdom. No, I mean, they had responsibility for that, but ultimately it was because God allowed it. That God was able to use that for greater divine purposes. In the same way that God allowed uh, Persia to come in, King Cyrus of Persia to come in and deliver Israel out from under the captivity of Babylon. And so these verses are here to show that not only does God want to deliver his people. I mean, that's true. But if God only wanted to but was not able to, then what's, what's the point? But here, we're to see that God is also able to deliver his people, to fulfill his plan, to move it forward. Verse 27, Isaiah says, Why do you say, O Jacob, and speak, O Israel, my way is hidden from the Lord, my right is disregarded by my God. The point Isaiah makes is that God doesn't forget his people 
or forgo his promises. You know, this is what Israel was complaining about, right? They, they questioned whether God saw their plight. They questioned whether God, after all this time, all these years, would deliver, would fulfill his plan, accomplish his promises. And so Isaiah responds, like, how can you say that God doesn't see your troubles? How can you say that God ignores your rights, your justice, your cause? God hasn't forgotten you. God hasn't abandoned you, even though you are weary in the waiting. Nor has he forsaken his promises. And and so what Isaiah does now is he, he points people back to who God is. That's to say that God doesn't run on empty, unlike many of us. We're given four descriptions of who God is. Have you not known, have you not heard? The Lord, Yahweh, he is the everlasting God. He's the creator of the ends of the earth, and he does not faint or grow weary. His understanding is unsearchable. And so all four of these things, they give us perspective in the waiting, especially for, for many of us, we're, we're tired, we're weary. You know, we're just trying to make it through day by day, year in, year out, not to mention just trying to make it through life as a follower of Jesus. You know, looking forward to, to the day when Jesus will return. We're looking forward to the day when broken bodies will be made new, broken relationships will be made whole, where, where Jesus, God's shalom will be present in his kingdom and in this world. But now we're weary, we're, we're tired, waiting is, is tiresome. But these verses give us perspective. The Lord, he is the everlasting God. He doesn't, he doesn't tire, and what that means is because he doesn't tire, he can fulfill his promises. He can accomplish his plan no matter how long it takes. Deliverance will come. The Messiah, Jesus, will return even if it takes longer than we are comfortable with. Right? The point is that no plan can outlast God. And many of us know sometimes our plans, they take a long time. Projects, you know, a lot of different projects take a long time. They outlast us. And when I think about lawn plans, I think of medical school. Right? You've got four years of college, then four years of med school. That's not to mention if you didn't take a one or two year gap in between your work at a hospital to do research. And then you have residency after that. And that could be three years. It could be five years. If you're really intense, it could be seven years if you want to do like neurosurgery. And then if you want to specialize, then it could be another one to three years. And if you add all that up, that's like a minimum of 11 years going all the way up to like 20 years or something like that. That is a long, 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 long time. And so starting that plan, I mean, people who go into that, you're told like you, know, you have to be able to persevere. You have to really love. You have to be able to endure. And I'm sure there's times where some doctors are thinking, man, I should have been an engineer. Or why did I... Become a doctor. Why did I listen to my parents? They don't even listen to their doctors. Why am I becoming a doctor? I know some of you can relate. You know, where they're thinking, I don't know how I can continue. I'm like three years in. I still have like 10 more years to go. But it's a sunk cost fallacy. I'm like too far in. I have all these loans and I have to finish. And so you push through and maybe you finish, but you're burnt out by the end. 
and you're like, I need to take a vacation. You know, but Isaiah is pointing to God and telling us his plan is much longer than 20 years. Way longer than 20 years. But that's not a problem for God. God doesn't tire. God's gas tank is always full. He never runs on empty. And because of that, God wants to and is able to deliver his people. God is not like, let me, oh, I wait thousands of years. I finally got Jesus, my son, to come into the world, die on the cross. Let me, let me take a break. Let me just kind of like Netflix on the couch and kind of veg out and not engage with my creation, with the people. Let me just step back and just be completely absent and not at work and just I'm going to be in this corner watching and just being there. No, that's not God. God is still actively at work. His plan is still unfolding. Jesus will return. He wants to and is able to deliver his people. He doesn't forget us. He hasn't abandoned us. He hasn't forsaken his promises. And if we were to, to skim ahead in Isaiah, what we find is that Israel continues to remain rebellious. And so God is going to do this new thing. In chapter 49, God raises up a servant who would do what Israel could not do. And this servant, whom God calls Israel now, is going to restore the people of Israel and be a light to all the nations. But the way in which he does this is surprising because what we find is that this servant, to do that, he's going to suffer. He's going to be despised and rejected. He's going to be killed. He's going to bear the sins of all the people. And so we know that this servant, this suffering servant, is Jesus. He's come and died on the, uh, for the sins of the world, and he's risen again in victory over sin and death. But all of this, uh, this de- deliverance de- doesn't happen immediately And God's wisdom, it unfolds over time. And so there is a waiting that happens. We could think of it this way. In World War II, we know that there was D-Day, right? The day of defeat when they stormed Normandy, when we defeated the Nazis. But then there was also the Victory Day. And that came like 336 days or something later. And that was when victory was fully here. Now, in between D-Day and V-Day, there were still, you know, skirmishes. Cities still needed to be liberated. There were still battles. There was still energy being expensed. But the, but the war had been won. Victory was just going to come. And so we today, we also live in this period between D-Day, Christ death on the cross, and, and V-Day, Christ's return. And there's still tension, there's still weariness, there's still battles for us as we live in obedience and submission to God. And it's tiring, it's weary, but we look forward because we know that victory has been secured and it is coming fully. And so, Because of that, this is the second point for this morning. Verses 29 to 31. There is strength for today and hope for tomorrow. Strength for today and hope for tomorrow. In verse 30, Isaiah continues, Even youths shall faint 
uh, and be weary, and young men shall fall exhausted. So weariness does not discriminate. How many of you are tired right now, even though you came to church? You know, some of you might be like, you know, what kind of question is that? You know, that's my secret. I'm always tired. <laughs> like, we are weary, especially as we get older. Right? We don't hang out as late anymore. I find myself, like, we used to hang out at, like, at Uno's until, like, 3 a.m., and then I come back for worship team at 9 a.m. At, at church. You know, we, come, we drive out late, and we now, now hang out at, like, 8 p.m. or 9 p.m. And we don't stay for the full football game, especially if it's an 8 p.m. game. We just leave at halftime. You know, our strength is limited. You know, we track our steps, right, trying to get healthier. We hit those 10,000 steps. We are not the same at step number one as we are at step number 10,000. In Crossbridge, we, we're, we're participating in this fall cleanup uh, next week because it was, it was postponed. Um, but we're going to be raking leaves. We're going to be cleaning up the parking lot. And this year, I was like, I bought a leaf blower. Because I'm like, weariness does not discriminate. And I have, I have back issues and bending over backward, raking the leaves. I'm, gonna, I'm like, I know I'm going to feel it the next day, and I'm going to let you younger folks use the rakes. And I'm just going to grab a leaf blower. And then I, I, I felt the leaf blower, and I was like, oh, this is heavy. Now I'm looking for a strap to carry it. Now, at the end of the cleanup, whether we're 15 or 50, we're all tired, right? Some more than others for sure, but there's a limit to our strength. We faint. We grow faint. We are weary. We fall exhausted. But the, and the idea here is that reliance on human strength, physical strength, particularly in this waiting period, is futile. And so the message translation puts verse 30 this way, right? For even young people tire and drop out. Young folk in their prime stumble and fall. Now, oftentimes we look at youth in the rearview mirror, Think, I mean, if only, you know, if only I was 10 years younger, if only I was in college again, if only my dad bod was exchanged for my bachelor bod. You know, it's true. And there, there are times, right, where it would be advantageous for us to be younger and to have more energy and strength. Isaiah is not disputing that. He's making the point that every one of us gets tired. At some point we get tired, but God doesn't. He's not comparing one person against another. He's comparing all of us against God. We tire. God doesn't. Chris Hemsworth, who many of you guys know to be Thor in the Marvel movies, you know, he's peak human specimen, fully bulked out and whatever. Oh, he put out this documentary, right, that called Limitless by National Geographic. It's on Disney+. And Chris Hemsworth, although he's a little bit older, right, I can feel fairly confident to say that he is in probably better shape than all of us, maybe put together. And this whole show is about him going around the world and doing all these feats and challenges, extraordinary challenges, to understand the limits of the human body. And along the way, he's learning about, you know, all these scientific ways to, to combat aging, to live better, to live longer. And he does some amazing things because he's Chris Hemsworth. But there's this one episode where he does some genetic testing. You might have read about it in the news. And he finds that he has this rare combination of genes that makes him eight to, times, eight to ten times more likely to get Alzheimer's in life later on. And it, it comes as a, as a shock to him. 
You know, he even said that he's taking a step away from acting for a period just to reflect on this news and spend time with his family. Now, it doesn't mean that he currently has Alzheimer's. It doesn't mean that he actually is going to get it. But this revelation does speak to the fact that we are not God. He is not God, even though he plays a, a Greek God in the movie. And so if our strength is, is not limitless, how do we have strength for today and hope for tomorrow? How do we endure as, particularly for those of us who are believers and Christians in this season of Advent, as we wait for Jesus' return and still live in a world that is incredibly broken, relationships that are in, incredibly marred by the brokenness of sin, as we strive to live in, in obedience, how do we have strength for today and hope for tomorrow? Verse 29 and 31. Isaiah continues, he gives power to the faint, and to him who has no might, he increases strength. Verse 31. But they who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. They shall run and not be weary. They shall walk and not be faint. And so particularly in this season of Advent, as we begin this new sermon series, as we recite this responsive reading, as we sing these songs, as we light these candles, we are instructed, commanded, encouraged to wait for the Lord, to wait on him, to remember who he is and what his promises are for us. This idea of waiting implies a waiting hope or hopeful waiting. There's this idea of hope and trust behind this word to wait. And so some translations even translate it literally, trust in the Lord or hope in the Lord. You know, it's not the kind of waiting where we put in our laundry and go do something else to pass the time. There's no stakes there, right? But this idea of waiting on the Lord is to have God, not simply in the back of our minds or even on the, on the only thing on our minds, but that this, who God is, and his promises is the very thing that informs everything else on our minds. And I'm sure there's a lot of things on our mind. And as we look to verse 31, there's this word but, right? It's, it's pointing out this contrast between where we find our strength. In ourselves? In our, our own physical strength? Like the, or, or in God? Right? This is, for those of you who watch anime, this is not... You know, our own ability to power up and yell enough and have enough resolve and go plus ultra or go super saiyan or whatever anime that you watch and just exceed to the, to the next level. It doesn't work like that. But Isaiah is pointing us to God to endure in this time of waiting. It's not a physical strength. It is a spiritual strength. So four times this word faint shows up in our past, and we can actually track it verse by verse, helping us to see more of what Isaiah is saying. Verse 28, God does not grow faint. That's who he is. He doesn't tire. Verse 29, actually he gives power to those who tire. That's us. He gives power to the faint. Verse 30, people, all of us, even the youngest of us in our prime, we tire, we grow faint, we get exhausted. Verse 31, but people, us, we cannot, we can, we won't tire if we wait for the Lord. This passage 
Maybe it wasn't necessarily written to us directly, but it was written for us. You know, all of us, we're weary, we're tired, we grow restless in the waiting, whether it be just life, right? Waiting for our our kids, waiting for uh, results, waiting for exams, waiting for job interviews, or just waiting for God's promises to, to be fully fulfilled. Now, as we enter into the season of, of Advent, as we do every year, we look forward to the day when Jesus will return. When God's kingdom will be fully ushered in, when all the nations will come together and God's peace and justice will be present. And again, the strength that God gives us is not, not necessarily a physical strength, it's a spiritual strength. It's a strength that, that Isaiah says is renewed. And that's kind of an interesting way to to be put, to put it that way, right? That it's renewed, that is continually made new as we continually wait for the Lord. And so it's not a strength that we can kind of like store up and use for later, use for another day in the same way that Israel tried to store up the manna, the grace that they received from God in the form of manna, and they try to store up for the next day. No, they needed to come to God day by day. As we come to God day by day, for that strength, as we day by day continue to wait on him. Isaiah paints for us this amazing picture of what it looks like. They who wait for the Lord shall renew their strength. They shall mount up with wings like eagles. And so we get this picture of this soaring eagle flying high above the mountains. An eagle that is lifted high, not by his or her powerful wings necessarily, ultimately, but by the wind. And in the same way, the wind, or the wind of God or the Spirit of God strengthens us, empowers us, enables us in the waiting, even though it might be weary for us, but it empowers strengthens us, knowing that God has not forgotten us. He has not forsaken his promises. He has not abandoned us, but he will accomplish his plan. And Jesus has come, and he will come again. And so as we turn to God this morning, particularly during over the next few weeks, during the season of Advent, let us find strength for today and bright hope for tomorrow. Let's pray. Gracious God, we give thanks for you, our God that never tires. You are the everlasting God, the creator of all the earth. And so we can turn to you and find rest for our restless hearts. Find strength for for us, especially as we are weary and tired. And find hope in your promises that will be accomplished fully when Jesus returns. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.